Everybody in your crew identifies as either Big Mac Burger, McNuggets, or McCrispy Sandwich. But you're the filet fish Sandwich all day. That crispy fish, that savory tartar sauce, that melty cheese, that pillowy bun. Yeah, you get it. Every time. And if you love the filet of fish right now you can catch two of the classics you love for just $6. Limited time only. Price and participation may vary. Cannot be combined with any other offer. Single item at regular price. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba. Hey, everybody. I'm Rachel Bonetta. And I'm Rechna Frookbaum. And this is Hall of Shame. Hi. Hi. Wow, we got not very many days left till the election. Oh. Is it just me or is time moving insanely slowly, but also like the fast it's ever moved in our entire lives? It like reminds me of newborn days where I remember someone said like the days are long, but the weeks and months and years go fast. (laughs) Isn't that what it feels like? I wouldn't know. I don't have children. Every day feels like a million years, but then you're like, it's fucking October. I don't know how that happened. Like Halloween is in a week. It's wild. And then the election is right after that. I'm sorry I swore. No, it's okay. <laughs> I think we're past that. We, we had one episode where we swore less. <laughs> I think that that was enough. Somebody uh, tweeted and called us out hard. They were like, yeah. you, you lasted like 15 seconds. Dude, I got to say, and I don't know if people – well, I, I can only imagine people are – are feeling this as well, but I am hella homesick and I'm getting a little bit nervous for all of these holidays that are coming our way, like Thanksgiving and Christmas and New Year's. And I can only imagine that these feelings of just complete sadness for not being able to see my family are just going to be heightened. Yeah. And just like the inability to have gatherings now in a season where gatherings like between Halloween all the way through the new year, gatherings are sort of the jam. It's the time of year to gather. (laughs) Um, I'll tell you what, Rachel, unbeknownst to you, being homesick is kind of a great transition to the story I'm going to tell you today. Oh, wow. I thought you were going to say I thought you were going to say something like you don't need to be homesick cuz your family is right here. <laughs> I was just going to rub it in like a jerk. Oh. <laughs> no, I was thought you were going to forget it. Never mind. Go ahead. <laughs> Sorry, you're homesick, not me. <laughs> <laughs> no, I'm I'm sort of all pre-nostalgic for I mean, obviously we've all been feeling the changes along the way, but I think it's all going to feel like that much more distinct during Mm -hmm. the season when we're just so used to getting together in big groups and celebrating and just it's not possible right now. Yeah. (laughs) We always start off on such a bummer (laughs) note. Hey, guys. You guys ready for this story? Well, listen, homesickness is not not a part of it in the sense that it is about people who couldn't necessarily stay in their country. Are you intrigued? I'm very Okay, so today we're going to travel back to the 1956 Olympics, specifically to the semifinals water polo game between the Soviet Union and Hungary, otherwise known as the blood in the water match. Oh. Yeah. I don't know if I want to hear this. (laughs) (laughs) But before we get to the sports of it, you know I love to do a little 
history lesson. Love it. And look, I got to say, at this uncertain time in our history, I've been really grateful to learn so much doing research for the sports podcast because it's like, okay, it normalizes. Like, wild shit happens everywhere all the time. (laughs) (laughs) Obviously, I love it partly because learning's good, but also it feels so relevant. This story in particular, it shows what an important role sports can serve. And it's a reminder about how narrow and myopic the history we learn in this country can really be. Because I'm like, why don't I know this story? You know what I mean? I was just thinking about public school the other day in Canada. Somebody was talking about science class. And I was telling this story how, like, the only thing that I remember of science class is, like, watching Osmosis Jones, which in 2020 (laughs) seems very smart to show children. But... Same with what you were just saying. Like, the things that we learned growing up in history and science, like, I feel like we need to rewrite our curriculum to match what is going on in the world. And by the way, I don't think that's specific to public. I think that's specific to education. Private, public, doesn't matter. Yeah. But I, yes, I will say the two things that don't seem to keep up are education and history (laughs) and, like, the Republican Party of the United States. Sure. Don't seem to be able to keep up with the times at all. Is that fair? I think so. Well, look, in whatever tiny way you and I can help broaden the scope, we're here for it. Mm-hmm. Teaching little lessons about things we never knew about. <laughs> Are we history teachers now? Do you kind of love that framing? Here you go. I'm going to teach you something. Okay. Hungarian history is something I didn't know anything about. I know there's a Hungarian monument in MacArthur Park here in L.A., and for today's story, I got to learn a little bit about what it stands for. Oh, okay. Hey, man. Here we go. So after World War II, Hungary was ruled by a puppet government filled with local hacks who were controlled by Nikita Khrushchev and the authoritarian Soviet regime in Moscow. Okay. Kind of feels a little too close to home for my comfort in terms of... What's going on here? I love that you're already calling them puppets and hacks. Like, okay, <laughs> we know which side Ratch is on. Let's go. As the Soviets imposed their rule, there was this growing resistance movement of Hungarian freedom fighters. Love it. And on October 23rd, 1956, these Hungarians stage a revolt in Budapest, attempting to replace the current Soviet-controlled regime with a democratic government. Kind of like what we're trying to do on November 3rd, mm-hmm. if I may. So these brave revolutionaries staged what they thought was a successful rebellion. But then on November 4th, about 200,000 Soviet troops poured across the Hungarian border and with tanks like rumbling through the streets of Budapest, they brutally crushed this revolution. They left more than 5,000 Hungarians dead with thousands more arrested and a quarter million people fled. Tough. Talk about homesick. Talk about rough stuff. Yeah. All of this sets the stage as the horrifying and intense backdrop for the 1956 Summer Olympics and specifically the Hungarian water polo team. Oh, no. Now, summer, you're thinking, but I just said November. Well, the 1956 games were held in Melbourne, which, of course, is south of the equator. And because of the reversal of seasons there, the Summer Olympics took place in late November and early December which is summer in Australia. See, here's my qualm. I do have a qualm with this. I feel- Talk to me about it because it confused me too. I feel like, and maybe this isn't fair, but I think that summer Olympics should take place in places where summers are nice and habitable and things actually happen in the summer. Like that's kind of not fair that it had to go there and had to be moved to December. Now, is that your Northern Hemisphere bias? Ooh. Because- 
shit. Melbourne would argue that November, December is beautiful summer in Australia. I'm just thinking of, you know what I'm thinking of? The World Cup is going to be in Dubai and next year or the year after, whatever. And it has to take place in December, which to everyone is just like, wait, the World Cup doesn't happen in December. But, but it has to hot. do it because it's going to be too hot sure. in the summer months. And I just think that that should be a non-starter. Like, don't put your little ping pong ball into the group where you pull them out of. You shouldn't <laughs> even be a part of the conversation. But isn't that in and of itself a bias for, like, a certain kind of country that has a certain kind of climate? <sighs> I guess Rachel, so. Rachel. ruin this. Fine. <laughs> I know. I'm kind of like the big sister to your little sister. So <laughs> in that way, yes. Yeah, I'm an idiot. <laughs> no, you're not. You stop it. I also defend you immediately when you're hard on yourself. That's our, like, dynamic. True. Girl, I get what you're saying. It's confusing, mm -hmm. which I get. I'm here with you for that. Anyway, something else to know before we get into everything. Water polo is a major sport in Eastern Europe, and the Hungarians have long been a dominant power. Before the 1956 games, they'd earned gold at the Olympics in 1932, 1936, and 1952, and silver in 1948. They'd also won the European Championships six times, including in the first one in 1926. So water polo and Hungary, big-ass deal. Kind of like ice hockey in Canada. P.S. Water polo seems like maybe the hardest sport ever. The hardest. Can we like pause on that? Like I'm like swimming is hard. I'm not a strong swimmer. <laughs> I was in a pool last weekend and was like just, <laughs> I mean, I haven't swam in like a year because of COVID and I was in an empty pool and I went underwater once and got water <laughs> up my nose and was just like, I might drown. I might drown. No, I once I got uh, scuba certified and you have to like tread water <laughs> for a specific amount of time. Girl, I went scuba diving in high school. I don't know. <laughs> oh, my God. I learned something crazy about you every single time. <laughs> I've had a weird life. Uh, and you have to tread water. And I and there was, like, this, like, 50-year-old man next to me just, like, killing it. And I was like, I'm going to die. <laughs> how long did you go for? What was your record? Do you I remember? Can't, I cannot remember. how. We had to do it for, like, a set amount of time to, like, pass the test to get your scuba certification. I can, for the life of me, not remember like what that period of time was, but probably way too short and embarrassing. Like I, ca <laughs> I can't imagine. I think I would play, I would attempt to play one water polo match and I don't think I would be able to walk for like two weeks. No, I just like, yeah, it's like two different, very hard sports in one. It just seems deeply hard. I agree. Yeah. yeah. So props to water polo. Props. All right. So this Hungarian water polo team in 1956 is going to the Olympics with their country in turmoil, struggling under an authoritarian government put in place by the Soviets. They're like training and prepping, and they can see gunfire and smoke from the burning buildings in the capital city below them. Jesus. But before they could like check in with their families and determine what was actually happening, they were whisked across the border to Czechoslovakia to keep them away from distraction. Hardcore. And then from Czechoslovakia, they were sent on the long journey to Australia for the Olympics. Wow. So these guys have a lot on their minds in addition to sports. And probably if your country is like kind of a mess, I'm just trying to like get into that mentality. If you're going to represent your country totally. and your country is hurting and so many people in your country are hurting, 
It's like we could bring pride and so much happiness and joy. Like yes. if you if you thought you had pressure going into the Olympics. Yeah, there's so much normally. Meaning. Oh my gosh, these guys are probably just going through Ugh. it. Through it. They didn't learn of the failure of the revolution until they got to Melbourne. Ugh. So they're like, what's going on with my family? What is up? And crazily Half of them vowed never to return home. So anyone I imagine who didn't have family in Hungary were just like, I'm not going back. So that, to your point, is so complicated as you're playing for this flag. Wow. That is a mixed bag. The team star player was a 21-year-old named Irvin Zador. He remembers how an English speaker on the team bought a local paper and read the news to them. He quotes, he said, the Russians came back, bombed Budapest, and the revolution was over, reprisals and all. And that's when I said, okay, that's it. I'm not going home. How wild is that? It's insane that people used to have to wait for the newspaper to come out to get their news. Although a part of me is like, would that be nice so I wasn't in like a doom scroll of Twitter all the time? (laughs) Exactly. So you're not just being inundated with like Zoom dick stories and President Ugh. Trump dancing and oh god it makes you the opposite of horny him dancing Absolutely. i'm anti horny <laughs> anyway despite this heavy news from home the hungarian water polo team stayed tough and lived up to its history of domination to say this caused some bad blood between the hungarian team and the soviet team is a huge understatement The first thing the water polo players did in the Olympic Village was to tear down the Hungarian flag with the Soviet communist emblem and replace it with the banner of Free Hungary in defiance of their puppet government orders. Wow. Our dudes. Okay. They're like, I'm not here to fuck around. Yeah. You know? And they want to make it clear who they're representing. That's it. That's it, to your point. And they brought that same energy to the pool, to the water. What do they say in water polo? Take, bring they, it to the pool. Bring, bring it to the water. Bring it to the pool, dog. Bring it to the pool. <laughs> I don't know. Water water polo people are like, Bring oh it my to the God. splash pad, homie. <laughs> we would show up at a pool and people are like, please leave. <laughs> <laughs> we have our water wings on. Oh, my God. I have torturous memories of taking water wings off. Do you ever wear water wings? As a kid? Like the blow up inner tubes around your Yeah, arms? I don't know what Americans call it, but we called it water wings. Got you. <laughs> water I don't even remember. Wings. You don't? So they don't put those on kids anymore. Like my kids, they just learn how to swim. <laughs> Isn't that wild? We just chuck them in and like hope for the best. They went to this guy called Swim to Bill. Bill is like a water whisperer. He's incredible. He's so calm and he'll be like, okay. And like by in a week, they're swimming. Wow. Oh, my gosh. The wildest. Our listeners must remember getting water wings pulled because your skin is like stuck to the plastic. Oh, my God. Yes. It's like a burn. And your parents are like, okay, just count to three. It's like ripping a Band-Aid off and they just (laughs) pull your skin off your bicep. Rough. I was just brought back to that distinct pain. (laughs) It's like you have to put some like oil on there. Well... (laughs) These Hungarian water polo players had even other pains, Rachel. Oh, no. (laughs) Not just their water wings. Was that a good transition? I think uh, so. It just made me feel really terrible that they were joking about water wings. Okay, so they not only were badasses in the village, they were badasses in the pool. They were assigned to Group B in the tournament, and they easily defeated Great Britain 6-2, to 
the United States, six to one. And then in the next round, they knocked out Italy and Germany, both four zero. So these guys are killing it in the pool. And they reach the semifinals where, guess who they're going to meet? None other than the Soviet Union. That's right. The USSR, the very country that had taken over their beloved nation. I would have bought tickets to that. Mm, I'm into it. So it's very hard to find out how to pronounce these names. So I'm going to give it my best whirl. Okay. Good luck. Deso Yarmati, the team's captain, said of the match, quote, Try to imagine the situation. A superpower destroys your country with weapons and tanks, a country that has never asked for that superpower to be there. And after that revolution is crushed, you have to face the representatives of that superpower. Like, good moment to pause and reflect. You are, like, fired up. (laughs) I'm sorry, but this is, like, giving me hints of Space Jam. When, like, Michael Jordan has to play the aliens, and it's, like... For Earth. For Earth. That's it. This is Space Jam level fired up. Wow. Yeah. Cue Jock Jams. (laughs) What's the first song on Jack Jams? I hate myself. Uh, I like to move it, move it. Or is it it? Let's Get Ready to Rumble? Probably. That makes more sense. I don't know what I just did. So going into that semifinal game against the Soviets... Their best player, Irvin Zador, who I quoted earlier, says their game plan revolved around verbally agitating the Russian players. I get it, and I love it. Yeah. He said, we figured if they get angry, they'll start to fight. Once they fight, they won't play well. If they don't play well, we'll beat them. And if we beat them, we'll win the Olympics. (gasps) Very simple philosophy. I'm here for that. Sometimes you go high when they go low, but sometimes when they go low, you got to go low too. Yeah. You know? We can't all be Michelle Obama all the time. That's it. In fact, we shouldn't. There are Mm -hmm. times when it's appropriate to also go low. I I personally like being petty. Look, we like being petty up in here. Mm -hmm. Tell you that. It's the petty podcast. (laughs) That's like a new merch sitch. (laughs) The petty podcast. (laughs) The petty podcast. I love it. So it was very easy for these Hungarians to taunt the Russians because they were forced to learn Russian under the oppressive Soviet system. So they could be rude all day long to them. Use the master's tools against him. (gasps) You know what I mean? Mm -hmm. So with that protest energy you love to see, on December 6, 1956, the Hungarians and Soviets faced off in a water polo match in the semifinals of the Summer Olympics in Melbourne. But before I tell you what actually went down, some ads. Hall of Shame is brought to you by ZipRecruiter. 2020 has changed the world of sports. Some teams are adapting to the times by making changes in their stadiums and arenas, while others are letting fans buy virtual seats in the stands. These changes have created demand for a wide range of unexpected roles, from plexiglass screen installers to video platform support specialists. Whether you have hiring needs for new positions like these or positions you're already familiar with, there's only one place to go. ZipRecruiter. And right now you can try it for free at ZipRecruiter.com shame. When you post a job on ZipRecruiter, it gets sent out to over 100 top job sites. Then ZipRecruiter's matching technology finds the most qualified ones for your job and actively invites them to apply. 
It's no wonder four out of five employers who post on ZipRecruiter get a quality candidate within the first day. For a variety of industries, ZipRecruiter can help you find the right people for your roles, even with the new rules. ZipRecruiter is a hiring game changer. That's why you need to try it for free right now at ZipRecruiter.com shame. That's ZipRecruiter.com S-H-A-M-E. Don't miss your chance. Go to ZipRecruiter.com shame. ZipRecruiter, the smartest way to hire. Hall of Shame is brought to you by Backcountry. The outdoors is calling. And if you want to answer, Backcountry.com is the place to go. Because when you shop at Backcountry.com, you can pick up the phone and talk gear with an actual former Olympian. Founded by a former Olympic skier, Backcountry.com is the best place for outdoor gear and apparel. From Patagonia to Yeti to Big Agnes to Santa Cruz bicycles, Backcountry.com has thousands of your favorite brands and products for every outdoor adventure. Not sure where to start on camping gear, skis, or a winter jacket? When you ask for help at backcountry.com, you're not getting an outdoor hobbyist. Backcountry gearheads are expert experts who can give you a masterclass in the great outdoors. Anything from providing you a detailed pack list for your next summit to gift recommendations for your outdoorsy friend, we all have one of those, to what winter jacket works for you. I actually, I don't even know if you can call it a winter jacket because I live in Los Angeles. I just got my winter jacket from backcountry.com. It is so cute. It's black. It's like, oh, what's that material called? It's like, I don't want to say it's sheer because that would be crazy for a winter jacket. But anyway, it's cozy and it's very cute. Everything backcountry sells is the highest quality, but the Backcountry gearheads are the real difference. They're former pro athletes, Olympians, 100 plus days a year, skiers, and seasoned guides with years of experience, all available 24-7 by phone, email, or chat for product recommendations and hard-won advice. Go to backcountry.com shame and enter promo code shame to get 15% off your first full-priced purchase. Some exclusions apply. Go right now and get 15% off at backcountry.com shame and enter promo code shame backcountry.com slash shame and don't forget to enter promo code shame hall of shame is brought to you by theragun i am in pain all the time and not just my heart and soul my body and i'm the most in pain from like sitting on the couch and watching tv is that not the saddest thing you've ever heard but theragun has low-key saved my life and my muscles The stress of daily life weighs on us all, whether you're an elite athlete or just a regular person trying to get through the day. Muscle pain and muscle tension is a real thing. That's why I use Theragun, the handheld percussive therapy device that releases your deepest muscle tension using a scientifically calibrated combination of depth, speed, and power. And now it's as quiet as an electric toothbrush. That's because the all new Gen 4 Theragun has a proprietary brushless motor that's so quiet, you will wonder if it is on. Will you soothe your aching muscles with Theragun's signature power, amplitude, and effectiveness. Try Theragun risk-free for 30 days. There is no substitute for the Theragun Gen 4 with an OLED screen, personalized Theragun app, and the quiet and power you need, starting at only $199. Go to theragun.com shame right now and get your Gen 4 Theragun today. That's theragun.com shame, theragun.com shame. Everybody in your crew identifies as either Big Mac Burger, McNuggets, or McCrispy Sandwich. But you're the filet fish Sandwich all day. That crispy fish, that savory tartar sauce, that melty cheese, that pillowy bun. Yeah, you get it. 
every time. And if you love the filet of fish right now you can catch two of the classics you love for just $6. Limited time only. Price and participation may vary. Cannot be combined with any other offer. Single item at regular price. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba. Okay, so to reset, we're in Melbourne, Australia. It's December 1956 for the Summer Olympics because we're in the Southern Hemisphere, so the summer's the winter or whatever. You get it. We've already talked about it. Don't agree, it's but fine. It's tricky. We're disoriented. It's okay. It's a huge semifinal matchup in water polo where the Hungarian team is set to face the team from the USSR. Their foes not just in the pool, but also in the murky political waters where the Soviet Union has suppressed a democratic uprising by Hungarians to keep an authoritarian regime in place in the capital city of Budapest. I promise we don't we don't try to talk about Russia cheating in the Olympics or like having anything to do with the Olympics on this podcast, but it always happens. It, we're not even we're not looking for we're it. We're not looking for They're it. They're just in the mix always. It's just in every it's story. Wild. Sorry, go on. No, I love it. As we discussed, we got that Space Jam level of intensity. Mm-hmm. One thing to note, which I just think is fun because it's one of those like underdog details, because of all the political unrest in Hungary, the Hungarian team had a lot less time to practice together than most of the teams they face. And they've still been cleaning up, which is awesome. Still cleaning up. And you and I love an underdog. Mm-hmm. We love it. So the match is set to begin. Customarily, before such events, the captains of the two teams meet poolside with the referee and shake hands. Not today, Rachel. Mm-mm. The Hungarians were like, hardest of passes, rightfully so, I think. Wow. I'm not shaking that guy's hand. No, fuck that. I love that. So Irvin Zador said, quote, we always had an extra incentive when we played the Soviets, but the atmosphere at Melbourne was another dimension. The game meant so much to us. We had to win the gold medal. We were playing for ourselves, for our families back home, for our country. Hell yes. Wow. So heavy. So good. Yeah. This is why sports isn't just peripheral. It's always in the thick. Mm-hmm. Anyway, the two teams grappled from the opening whistle, both under and above the water. I'm already tired. <laughs> I'm already tired <laughs> thinking about it. <laughs> We're four seconds into the match. I'm out. Coach, I've already broken the sweat. I've been grappling. This guy kicked me under the water. I'm trying to throw a ball above the water and stay afloat. I'm out. Within the game's first minute, a Russian player put a hammer lock on a Hungarian and was sent to the penalty box. I find it fascinating to what you were just saying, how much Russians just enjoy playing into the role of heel across the board. Like, don't you guys ever just want to be the good guys just to like change it up for one hot minute? I wonder if that is the mentality. Like when you're training for something, the coach comes out and is like, look, they're going to hate us. So we're Russians. Let's just go out there and let's own it. Do the damn thing. I guess thing. so. It's like wild. You'd think you'd want a break. I don't know. I if, if this was like wrestling, like I would, if I was a wrestler, I would be a, you'd heel. Be a heel. I would love it. Sure. But at one point, you would turn to get – you know what I mean? You'd probably do the turns. Maybe I'd do like one turn just so that I could have that turn back to heel. Back to heel. You'd retire a heel. I'd retire a heel for gotcha. sure. Well, the Russians were eating it up. Hundreds of Hungarian expatriates in the crowd were jeering them, waving the flag of freedom <gasps> adopted by the revolutionaries and urging their countrymen with cries of Hajra Magaruk which means go Hungarians. Oh, wow. A Hungarian person is listening to this and being like, what are you saying? (laughs) I feel like actually that means 
give me your cat. Uh, quick question. Uh, and maybe you don't know the answer to this. And if somebody listening does, I would honestly love to know. With water polo, is it a physical contact sport? Like, is there a lot of that? If there's a penalty box, I guess there must be. There must be, right? I feel like it's intense. Certainly this game was. But you could, like, fully drown. Like, it's yeah. insane to me that this is a, a, a contact sport. It's wild. Yeah. There's a lot. Like I said, you and I could not hack it. Speak for yourself. <laughs> That's for sure. <laughs> <laughs> so I am captivated by this water polo match from 1956 in a way I would not have guessed before my research had you told me. Mm-hmm. Team hungry all the way, baby. I'm like so in. I'm, I need a I'm team all- hungry shirt. Oh, I am rooting for this team 100%. So much is on the line. I want a Hajra Magirak shirt. Literally any time that Russia can lose. Sorry. I'm, I'm here it. for this. So you know I'm here for it when Hungarian player Dezo Germati punches a Russian player on the chin with a windmill motion while shooting to score the first goal. Wow. So one we did zero, one of those yeah. kind of things like, oh, you're in my Oops. way. Whoops. I'm so sorry. Your face was in my follow through. My bad. <laughs> you oh, looks removed like your I scored. Ooh, I love it. Minutes later, the USSR's Vyacheslav Kurinoy is, hey, is sent to the penalty box for slugging. Then the Soviet Union's Boris Markarov and Hungary's Antal Bulvari also go at it. Oh my God. It's nuts. But the Hungarians score three more goals. It's 4 0. Wow. Yes. Love it. You love to see it. The Hungarians are taunting the Russians about the shutout. The Russians, according to their plan, are becoming increasingly frustrated, just like the Hungarians wanted. Two more Russians are sent to the penalty box after slugging Hungarian players. Wow. Things are getting nuts. Five players in total were ordered out of the pool by the referee. Two Hungarians and three Russians. It was like open warfare. (laughs) Out of the pool! (laughs) That just seems like (laughs) such a funny thing to yell. But you're wondering, what about the blood? What of the name of this match? Well, I can kind of put two and two together. Well, let me tell you, though, the actual event is wild. (gasps) There's more? Irvin Zador, who I've talked about a couple times, the team star player who was like, I'm fucking never going home, had scored two goals. He was crushing it. And with only a couple of minutes left in the match, one of his teammates asked him to mark one of the most angry Russian players, Valentin Prokopov. Zador said, quote, Antal Bolvari asked me if I could take over because he had gotten hit and thought he had ruptured his eardrum. Jesus. The man he was marking, Valentin Prokopov, had become too much of a handful. I was happy to oblige. I felt very good, and the game was decided by that time. So I looked after Prokopov for the last few minutes, and I told him that he was a loser, and that his family were losers, and so on. (laughs) (laughs) Sorry. That is so petty. And so on, Rachel. And so on. Among other things. And so on. So good. You're a loser. Your family's a loser. Your dog is a loser. Et your grandma's a loser. Et and cetera. so on. <laughs> <laughs> I'm too tired from playing this insane sport to say more. <laughs> oh my God. So, with one minute left in the game, Zador turned his head for a whistle, taking his eye off Prokopov, the Russian, who rose out of the water and punched Zador in the eye. <sighs> The ball was literally at the other end of the pool at the time. 
Zador said, quote, I saw about 4,000 stars and I reached to my face and I felt warm blood <gasps> pouring down and I instantly said, oh my God, I won't be able to play in the next game. Oh, shit. So he climbs out of the pool with blood streaming from his head. The crowd went wild because they're probably like, yeah, motherfucker! <laughs> like, it was crazy. The photo of it, you should look it up, is bonkers. It's totally nuts. Just like blood pouring down his face. The pool is red from his blood. Ew. Bananas. Zador said in a recent interview, quote, I deeply regret that picture. I would have loved to be remembered as one of the best young players in the world rather than the guy hit by the Russian. <gasps> I get it. But for what it's worth, if I'm being fully honest, Zador looked like a total b- badass in that picture and also like pretty hot. Oh. Just to say it. <sighs> yeah. Cue jock jams. Yeah. (laughs) Anyway, seeing the severity of his injury, spectators and Hungarian officials jumped the barrier and rushed towards the Russian team. (laughs) Everyone just jumps in the pool. (laughs) I know. I'm like, isn't this a pool area? They're like, don't walk, don't run. It's wet. It's slippery. (laughs) It says no running. (laughs) One fucking asshole just like, do you see the sign? (laughs) One of the players recalled, quote, by the time he'd swum over, the blood had trickled down onto his chest. He looked like he had come from the butcher. The audience exploded. Oh, my God. So Zador was sent to the first aid center, and he had to get eight stitches. He said, quote, the Russians should not be allowed to play in the games. It was not water polo out there. It was pure boxing in the water. Again, I'm exhausted. Exhausted thinking about it. So to not give a totally biased account, an American witness later remarked that he believed Prokopov's foul was unintentional. I'm like, that's weird because the ball was on the other side of the pool and the whistle had blown. But Mm -hmm. I just want to give that detail so I'm like letting you know all the data points. Mm -hmm. I don't know. I feel like it's hard for me to imagine that guy didn't just punch him on purpose. Uh, yeah, especially <laughs> after all the throws back and forth. Yeah. And you're a loser. Among he also other called him and his family losers and so on. Seems a little. <laughs> I feel like the and so on is the real insult. <laughs> like you're not even worth my you're time. You're not even worth it. You're not even worth it for me to come up with more insults. <laughs> I'm going to start using and so on. <laughs> you're a loser <laughs> and so on. You're a loser and so on. <gasps> What do you mean and so on? Anyway, the sight of their countrymen's blood swirling in the pool enraged the Hungarian supporters in the audience. They raced to poolside. The ref called the game with only a minute left because there was just so much chaos and blood. And the Hungarians won four to zero. Wow. Nuts! Above the uproar, the announcer was repeating, quote, will all persons not directly connected with the water polo kindly leave the concourse? And I was like, (laughs) My dude, too little, too late. Love it. The blood is in the pool, my guy. <laughs> the Hungarians, for what it's worth, went on to defeat Yugoslavia in the finals. Yay. Two to one. So they won the gold. Meanwhile, the Soviets withdrew from the semifinal game, demanding a rematch. Screw you, jerks. Come on, no. idiots. Boo. The referees refused and awarded the Hungarian team the gold medal. Finally, so. the refs have done something Hooray! right in the Olympics. Zador, as he'd suspected as soon as he got hit, had to sit out of the gold medal match, which totally sucks. Where did he get stitches? Do you know? Like, was it? Like, right by his eye. Huh. And I guess you can't get in the water. He said, quote, I sat through it, and that was the hardest one hour of my life. Dude, I bet. 
And then he said that even the medal ceremony was rough. Quote, I wanted to cry, but I couldn't. After five years training, I needed to achieve this goal. And finally, I did it. But it was in this weird circumstance that I couldn't play the last game. And I was on the podium in civilian clothes. It was very emotional. There's just so much going on. Also, he's like, I'm not returning to my home country after this. Oh, you guys know by now that Russia and I are full on athletes. <laughs> you will and never not know. There, there's something interesting about him being so upset during the medal ceremony. I remember one time I was playing in a tournament and I was benched. I was playing volleyball and we went on to win gold medal. And I was like a starter. So being benched like sucked. And I could, I was, sure. cr- I was like crying in the pictures. I wasn't as strong as this guy that held it together. <laughs> And it's so insane. It is a like, I think, a a weird mentality because you are the reason like this guy is the reason that they got there. Totally. He scored two goals in the match against Russia. There's just something about that final match. Just being a piece of it. Yeah. I know. I really feel for this guy because that would be I mean, among everything else that he's going through, that is super heartbreaking. It's just a lot. Yeah, for sure. And the truth is he didn't return to Hungary after. So he didn't get to go back and get all that acclaim. What, you know? what that, exactly. Like when you win the Olympics, it's like, yeah. oh, my God, we, we see these like NBA parades and like the Super Bowl parades. Like, yeah. You're, you won a gold medal for your country. Yes, except you're not going back to your country. Exactly. In fact, half of the 100-member Hungarian Olympic delegation defected after the Melbourne Games. And like, it was hard. It was the 50s. So defecting from a Soviet-ruled country wasn't easy. It was hard for them to find places to go. Here's what one of the Hungarian players, Nick Martin, who also defected, said in a Sports Illustrated mini-doc. Nobody wanted to touch us. I went to the Australians, uh, hands off, they didn't want to talk to us. I asked Americans, they didn't want to have anything to do with us. And the people who did approach us, like the Hungarian royalists, we didn't want to have anything to do with them. It was like super sad. And like, so they not only did they have to do that, but they like missed out on what was undoubtedly glory back home. And they were never, I would assume, never able to represent their country playing the sport that they have probably worked their entire lives to get good at. Totally. So they're not only giving up their home, they're giving up their livelihood, they're giving up their number one passion. Their passion, and correct. And here's what one of Irvin's Hungarian teammates had to say about it. Quote, most of us were older and our careers were coming to an end, but Irvin was the youngest player on the team. He could have been one of the best, if not the best, in the world. Water polo is the second most popular sport in Hungary after soccer. Irvin would have been a major star in Hungary for many years, a national institution. Like what he gave up. Well, I hope that he is. Like I, I, I know that it's a weird situation, but I hope that he was like, celebrated. Let me tell you what happened to our guy. Okay. He came to San Francisco after the Olympics. Water polo at the time in the United States was in its infancy. So he briefly joined a club team, but there was like no level of play that he could like really get behind. So he lost interest. <laughs> he just bossed everybody. Yeah. He was like, okay. So he lost interest and turned to coaching swimming, pivoted, Good on him. It reminds me when I tried to play club field hockey when I moved to L.A. And I was like, I'm too good, you know. Oh, Can't do this. (laughs) But 
for what it's worth, Zador said the sacrifice was ultimately worth it. The opportunity to speak his mind and to live in freedom. Yeah ultimately was more important. Yeah. He eventually brought his parents and brother to the United States and he got to watch both his son and daughter play water polo in Yay. college. His daughter Christine received a scholarship to USC and scored the winning goal in the 1999 NCAA championship game against Stanford. Wow. Zador has said, quote, I wish sports could be exempt from politics. They can't. But yeah. I believe we can use them for positive change. Mm -hmm. If you need yet another reason to vote, think about how much Zador sacrificed, but then ultimately gamed by choosing freedom and democracy over glory and fame mm -hmm. is my take. That's my takeaway from this crazy story. That is the bravery from all of those dudes. Yeah. And I'm kind of just um, extremely bummed out. Yeah. Girl, he chose freedom and democracy over glory and fame. And I think that ultimately that leads to all good things. Yeah. The bravery. Also, like, sidebar, why does Russia need to ruin most things? I wish that we could, like, take Brene Brown over to Russia and just be like, my dudes. <laughs> just let Vulnerability is brave. Clarity is kindness. Like, let's talk about these principles. Shame has no place in an evolved life. I would pay a lot of money to watch Brene have a sit down <laughs> with Putin. How much more money you would pay to watch me translate Brene <laughs> to Russians? Wait, do you know how to speak <laughs> Russian? No, but just me like trying to like <laughs> say what I interpret Brene Brown to be. <laughs> <laughs> oh, Brene's Russia. like, can you stop bastardizing my words? To try and change the Russian. <laughs> she like, we get like a cease and desist on the podcast. <laughs> All we've ever wanted is for her to be a guest, but instead she's like, I have taken out a restraining order on you. What would you do if you met Brene Brown? Like, what, what would you do if she like just signed into the Zoom chat right now? I would say in a world where I'm very sort of like lucky or it's like, you know, a weird job I have where like you do too, where we get to meet public figures. Mm -hmm. So we've like sort of developed a chillness about it or, you know. Yeah, sure. I would have zero chill. Uh -huh. Like, zero. Like, I would be like, oh, my God. Uh, uh, and then I would, like, she would zoom out, log out of the Zoom, and I would be like, she thinks I'm an idiot and I'm devastated. <laughs> <laughs> That's funny. I have two people on this list. This is so sidebar, by the way. I have two people on that list that I wouldn't be able to be cool around. And it's Who are they? Vince Carter sure. and Martin Short. Sure. I think I'd I get that. Flip my shit. I would. I don't think. I know I would. I get that. I get it. What can I say? <laughs> I. <laughs> uh, that's how I feel about Brene. Yeah. Okay. So what did we learn on this podcast? We learned that Russians ruin everything. We need to take swimming lessons. The 1956 Hungarian water polo team was badass, and bad we learned ass. a little bit about Hungarian history, which we did not know. Yeah, this was like a good little history lesson. Now, when you go to MacArthur Park, you're going to be like, Pete, I know the history of this monument, so no bigs. <laughs> See? He's probably going to be like, uh, yeah, it's it's blah, 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 blah. Everyone knows that. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, we all do. Thanks so much. This was great. Thank you, Rachel, for listening. This was a fun one. I wish I had a pool to go and swim in. Mm, one day. <laughs> we got to figure it out. Yeah. I can't wait for next week. 
Yep. Next week is going to be a really fun one. I'm excited yes. for next week. I think it's going to be me too. very funny. It's the, the first time that Rachel and I are collaborating on a story. Yeah. It's and a collab, so it's going to be it's special. It's like a low-key collab. Yeah. Um, no babes. And we're very excited about it. So come back next week, guys, uh, and Yay. we'll all laugh and yell together. It'll be great. It'll be awesome. Bye, guys. Bye. Hall of Shame is a Crooked Media production. Caroline Reston is our producer. Our executive producers are Sarah Geismer and me, Rachel Bonetta. And me, Rachna Fripbaum. Editing and sound design by Kyle Seglin. Brian Semmel is our associate producer. And Allison Falzetta is our development producer. Our theme music is by Taka Yasuzawa. Thank you to Sydney Rapp for production support every week. Everybody in your crew identifies as either Big Mac Burger, McNuggets, or McCrispy Sandwich. But you're the filet fish Sandwich all day. That crispy fish, that savory tartar sauce, that melty cheese, that pillowy bun. Yeah, you get it. Every time. And if you love the filet fish right now you can catch two of the classics you love for just $6. Limited time only. Price and participation may vary. Cannot be combined with any other offer. Single item at regular price. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba.